I have the, the privilege of talking to us about a, a very big uh, topic, uh, education, and it, it's such a big topic that I think it is, well, there are literally hundreds of different versions of this sermon that could have come out. I've picked one, uh, and I'm sure there'll be plenty of people who think that I did it the wrong way, but that's all right. Um, I'm going to try my best to be faithful to God's Word. Um, education is yeah, it's a very big topic, and it's one that's familiar to all of us. Um, put up your hand if you went to school. <laughs> All right. a, bunch of, a bunch of hands did not go up. Uh, maybe that's just the participation thing. Uh, yeah, it's a very familiar concept to us, this word education. Uh, and because it's familiar, we, we run the risk of becoming complacent, of thinking that we understand what education is because we live in a world where education happens. It's just baked into the cake of the experience of our society. You... You turn five years old, you go to kindergarten, you go to primary school, you go to secondary school, uh, you go to TAFE or university, you come out the other side. And so we, we hear the word education and we think, okay, that's what education is. I, I've done my part in it. Um, and for most of us, we are now on the other side of that particular journey. And so we think education is now finished and it's just a matter for our children. Uh, but I think that's that mindset of thinking that education is just this formal process that we all go through when we're kids uh, runs the risk of missing the point of what education actually is. Uh, and we don't take it seriously enough if that's all, all we're thinking. And we don't ask ourselves the question, what does it mean to... What is education? And what does it mean for education to be done well? So I'm going to spend some time today breaking down what education is from the Bible uh, and... As, as I do that, um, it would be very helpful for me to pray for myself and for us, so let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. Uh, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the opportunity now to, say, uh, to look at your, your conception of what education is, uh, to sanctify that ordinary experience and to, to understand from your point of view uh, what we should think when we think of this word education. I pray now that you'll help us uh, in our hearts uh, to be prepared for what you have to share with us by your word. Uh, and that you will give me wisdom as I speak it. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so the word education, uh, it comes from a Latin word, uh, educere, which uh, comes from an older version called exducere. But the word in ed uh, education, it means effectively to draw out. Uh, anyone remember the science from year seven and heard about metals and how they're malleable and ductile? Anyone remember that word, ductile? Uh, ductile means able to be drawn out nice and thin, which is how you make a wire, you draw it out. So if something can be drawn out, it's ductile. Uh, and education comes from the same root word. It's to draw something out. And so it comes with this inherent idea of taking something that has potential and leading it to become something. That's where the word education comes from, the development of unformed potential. And uh, we've been arguing as, a, as humans about what education is for literally millennia. Uh, all the way back to Socrates and Plato and Aristotle, they had differing ideas about what education is. Plato thought that we, were, um, we uh, somehow have been born into this earth having lost the knowledge of the ideal perfect world and that to educate someone is literally just to draw out of them the things that they've forgotten from that perfect world. We're born with this innate potential to know things uh, that comes from inherent potential, and all you have to do is just draw it out of them. So you can hear that, you can understand that, that root of education in that way. Uh, whereas Aristotle said, no, it's not like that. We learn through experience. We learn through being in the world, experiencing things, noticing patterns, abstracting them, making connections... 
And that's how it works. Um, the truth probably is some combination of the two. Now, obviously, we don't necessarily get born with memories of the world from when we were um, before we existed, but there is a real sense in which there is a world higher than this world. And we are born with the capacity to recognize, uh, recognize the world around us. And it's quite incredible if you think about what we are as human beings. We are effectively highly organized bags of salt water. Um, that's really what we are. And yet, we have the potential to actually interact with and understand the world around us. Uh, it's an incredible capacity that we have. Um, I've often thought to myself that either, either God, is, God is real or the human brain is the single most amazing thing in the whole universe to the point of being a miracle and therefore God must exist. So uh, I, I think it's just amazing that we are able to make sense of the world around us to, despite all probability to the contrary. And the fact that we can do that, the fact that we can learn, the fact that we can make sense of this world uh, is a gift from God. And it's a gift that he wants us to be good stewards of. Uh, but when we hear the word education, often we just go to a very simplistic understanding of it, which is to be educated is just to gather knowledge, skills, and then to apply, <laughs> and then to apply them. Sorry, I'm getting distracted by my daughter. Um, <laughs> she started saying daddy, and it's, it's very cute. Um, yeah, knowledge, skills, and wisdom. So to be educated, you just go off, you formally acquire knowledge or you gather skills and then you apply them in the world. And that's what education is. But uh, even the ancient Greeks knew that there was more to it than that. They, they had values as part of that as well. And actually, the, the process of education throughout all of history has been a much bigger and a much deeper enterprise than what we think of it as today. Education is about the formation of the whole person. Uh, the, not just the intellectual capacities that we have, which are immense, but also our emotional capacities, our spiritual capacities, our civic inclinations. There are huge things that come out through that educational process. And as we heard from Joel last week, um, our minds and our ability to make sense of the world and the health of our minds overlaps very much with our spiritual nature. There's, there's not just mind here and spirit here, it's both. They're, they're inter, uh, interrelating and interacting with each other. So there's a very real sense that what we know shapes us, shapes us spiritually and who we are spiritually shapes what we know. Uh, and all of that education, it is a long process that happens over decades and it happens not just to us as individuals, but it happens in our communities in relationship with each other. And when you think about it in those terms, if education is about the formation of the whole person in their community, in their world, over a long period of time, then every single person is a learner. Every single person is educated, regardless of age, regardless of stage. We are constantly on that journey across every single phase of our lives. So you don't need to be enrolled in a school or a university to be receiving an education. You are receiving an education every time you open up a YouTube video. You are receiving an education every time you have a conversation with someone. And sometimes formal education is actually worse. Um, sometimes people can get whole PhDs that by the end of the process, they are dumber and have less common sense than when they started. Um, <laughs> and maybe I shouldn't have said that, but it is true, uh, unfortunately. And like, I have four university degrees, but really the biggest thing I've learned from those four degrees is to not be impressed by someone who has a degree. Um, <laughs> 
because <laughs> formal education does not necessarily equal good education. Um, and not all knowledge is equally valuable. Um, some knowledge might be true, but not necessarily useful. Like, what is the atomic mass of dysprosium? There, there is an answer to that question. But if you know it, it's not likely to make much of a practical difference to your life. Um, or what happened last episode of Married at First Sight? Like, that is not useful information. And, sorry, I feel like I'm doing a stand-up set now. Um, the, but there is, like, despite the fact that that is funny, it, it's also sobering, I think. How much of us are spending time gathering information about this world and allowing ourselves to be formed by this world in ways that are actually harmful, in ways that are actually useless. Uh, the downside of being steeped in a culture that just assumes education to be this formal process and nothing else is that we don't stop to critique it. We don't stop to think about how am I being formed? What sort of formation am I receiving? And even the people in our world who do this, um, the people who do critique the process of education in a formal sense, uh, people who are, rise up to be curriculum leaders in schools and the people who write the books and write the journal articles that shape what, uh, who say what education should be, so often they find themselves just chasing their own tales of their philosophical ideas about what education should be, or oh, half-baked philosophies, half-baked fads that ultimately end up being too clever by half because you're just talking about process and you're not really getting to the heart of what education actually is. Uh, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul's talking about false teachers here, but I think the, um, the condemnation is also true of our society. Uh, people can be always learning and never able to arrive at, the con at a knowledge of the truth. Uh, and when we consider who we are in this world, um, we're not here by accident we're not here with these profound uh, faculties of reason and ability to make sense of the world and ability to relate to each other, um, just for no reason. Uh, these have been gifted to us by God and they've been gifted to us with a purpose. And so as we consider what education is, we would do well to consider what God says about education. Um, it's his world and it's, it's his capacity that he's given to us. Uh, now, so what I want to do for a little while is just spend some time unpacking some key biblical passages that spell out to us. Um, the, first of all, like I've already established that we are all learners, but if that is true, what kind of learners should we be and what sort of learning should we pursue? Uh, and the first thing that I want to point out is uh, we want to be mindful of who we were um, before we came to a knowledge of God. Uh, Romans chapter 12 verse 2 says this, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. Uh, the, the Christian view of education is one that says, yes, we are in this world, yes, we are being shaped by this world, but we should not be shaped by this world. Uh, there, is a, there is a better way to live, there is a higher way to understand the world, there is a higher way to understand ourselves. And in order to do that, we actually need to make a conscious effort to step outside of the education that this world is giving us, uh, to see that there is a bigger, a big, a bigger, uh, what was I saying? Um, <laughs> a bigger process that we're a part of, um, that God has actually called us to be renewed in our understanding. And that, that is a spiritual uh, process as well as an intellectual one. 
And that process is towards a goal. Uh, Philippians chapter 1, verses 9 to 11 says, uh, Paul is praying for the church in Philippi, and he says this, And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best, and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. So education, it's not just about transformation, it's also about transformation to pursue, to know and to pursue and to live out the will of God in this world. Um, and that, that process will involve us, our knowledge growing alongside of our love. And so you can't think of education as merely an intellectual exercise because it's not. It's a process that involves the whole of us, uh, the whole person becoming more like Christ. And in order to pursue that kind of education... Uh, we need to radically rethink our understanding of ourselves uh, and our understanding of what this world is all about. Uh, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Um, in order to be educated in this world, we need to know who we are before God. We need to know that He is God, that we are not and that his ways are best, and that our ways are not. And the, the proper way to live in this world, to be, to be teachable, comes from knowing that uh, God is so much bigger, so much more important, and so much wiser than us. And we should respect him, we should fear him. That's the, that's the pathway to wisdom. Um, and being teachable, it also... Well, there's, there's a lot of other passages in the Bible that talk about being teachable. So, for example, Proverbs 13, verse 18 says... Poverty and disgrace come to him who ignores instruction, but whoever heeds reproof is honoured. And Proverbs 9 verse 9 says, Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase in learning. So, being educated in this world, if we want to receive God's education, we need to be humble, we need to be teachable, we need to be open, we need to realise that our education is not finished. Uh, and... Because education is not just the process of gathering knowledge, it's the process of forming yourself as a whole person, it is a process that will never finish. It's a process that is always ongoing, and it's a process that we should be looking to God in. Uh, and where does that education need to be grounded? Um, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 to 17, a very famous passage. Uh, but as for you, this is Paul talking to Timothy about teaching the church, continue in what you have learned... And have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you have learned it, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servants of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. When we conceive of education as being more than just learning facts, more than just being able to make sense of this world and apply skills, but actually it's the formation of who we are. It's a spiritual, social, mental, emotional process. It's all of the above. Then the proper place to ground ourselves in our education is not uh, the most recent theories, the most recent information. It's actually the, the old ways are the best, and the old, the old way for us as Christians is God's Word. That is, that is where we are to ground ourselves as we receive our education. Um, it's, it's so easy to move past that. 
It's so easy to think that other things are more important, like, you know, oh, I need to go off and get my master's, my PhD, whatever the case may be. And yet how, how quick are we to neglect the most important educational resource at our disposal, the, the Word of God? Uh, going on from that, Colossians chapter 3, verse 16 says, Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Uh, the Word of God, it's our most powerful resource and it should dwell amongst us. It should dwell amongst us as individuals and it should dwell amongst us as communities. Uh, let it dwell in us richly and as we teach each other. One of the most valuable resources we have in our educational journey is each other. And I'll come back to that in a little bit more detail a bit later on. And then probably the hardest part of the whole process of education... Uh, James chapter 1, verses 22 to 25. Actually, no, second hardest. There's one more after this that's even harder. Um, Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, will be blessed in his doing. Uh, education is a process of learning God's word, letting it dwell amongst us richly, and then living it out. And I think that's the, that's the hardest part, oh, sorry, no second hardest part of the whole process. It's, it's actually allowing God's word to form us, to shape us, and to change the way that we live. Um, A sanctified education is an education that actually makes a difference in our lives, Uh, coming to a knowledge of God and living that out. And then the hardest part, which I don't have for the screen, so I'll just have to read it out for you from Matthew 22. Uh, So so hard that I forgot to include it in my sermon notes. Uh, When the Pharisees had heard, so the Pharisees are asking Jesus and they ask him, uh, what is the great commandment in the law? And he said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Uh, The highest calling of education is to love God with all of who we are. That includes our, our heart, our soul, our mind, our rational faculties, our moral faculties, our emotions. Uh, Every single aspect of who we are should be directed towards loving the God who made us. That's, that's the highest calling of education, to know God, to live out His Word, to live it out faithfully, and to do so in a way that it is uh, ultimately motivated by an, an extension of the love that we have for Him. And that is the hardest part, because naturally our, indica- our inclinations are towards none of those things. Our inclination is to hate God. Our inclination is to hate each other and to hate ourselves and to just spiral downwards into selfishness and sin. And so in order to honour God with our education, we need His help. We need His Holy Spirit working in our hearts. And so that is something that we should be praying for constantly. Lord, help me to have an education in Your Word. Help me to know You. Help me to live for You. Help me to live out the faith and the knowledge that You've given me. So when we, the, the brief I was given for this sermon is sanctifying the ordinary and thinking about it through the lens of education. And there have been some brilliant sermons in this series on different topics, work, motherhood, mental health, um, and there's so much that can be said on all of these topics. 
And I'm sure that if you heard about this sermon before you started, you think there's a high school teacher getting up to give a sermon about sanctifying the ordinary education, you probably think, oh, he's going to spend a lot of time talking about what a good school education looks like. Um, But the irony there is that the Bible actually doesn't really say. The Bible doesn't say what a good school education looks like. That Education in a school wasn't even a category in the time the Bible was written. Um, The Bible does have a very high view of knowledge, um, of understanding our world, studying this world, learning about God through this world, Uh, you know, looking at the stars and and extrapolating from them the glory of God. There's all sorts of ways in which the Bible does uphold knowledge and wisdom. But the Bible doesn't say you must go to a school for six years and you must learn these subjects and you must graduate with this degree at this time and do this job. All of those things are open um, to freedom of choice. So I can't tell you, um, you know, what the Bible says about the best way to receive an education for yourself or what type of education is best because that is a decision that involves wisdom. Uh, wisdom which ho- hopefully comes from studying God's Word and, and applying it to our own lives and to our lives with each other as community. Um, and so, you know, should I go and do that extra degree? Maybe, maybe not. Um, pray about it, ask people and um, reflect and think, what is the most God-honoring way to proceed forward? That's really the standard by which you should measure the usefulness and the successfulness of your education. Um, And that principle applies to the ways in which we educate ourselves that aren't formal as well. Should I spend that extra 20 minutes on YouTube? Um, Does it honour God? Is it helpful? Uh, Is it directing you towards Christ? Uh, I think there's a lot for us to gain in thinking about education as a process that does take place in those little nitty-gritty things. What books am I reading? What shows am I watching? What media am I consuming? Which people am I engaging in conversation with? What are we speaking about? That's all part of your education. That's all something that you can critique. Uh, but I think the big, the, the elephant in the room, uh, for many of us, and I've had it raised to my attention again twice while I'm trying to preach, is what about, what about my kids? Um, what does a good education look like for my kids? Um, as we heard from Riley, as we heard during the baby dedications, um, children are a gift from God. Uh, and we've seen today that, and everyone who has dedicated their child in this church has made commitments of exactly the same questions. Uh, and I've already forgotten what they are. Um, but to, to hand over to God the process of raising our child, they are a gift from God. And we should see them that way. Um, children, they're not, they're not for us. And in a, in a more, in a more uh, aloof sense, they're not even from us. Yes, the, the physical process that brought them about is from us, but... The, the fact that children can exist, the fact that children do exist, that is from God. Uh, they are a gift from God. And because they are a gift from God, we do have, a, as parents, a biblical role to play, as Riley um, shared with us, and I have the passage in here as well. Uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4 says this, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Uh, that word there, discipline, is the Greek word paideia, and paideia, if you were to speak in the ancient world and you said the word paideia, the, uh, the thing that everyone would be thinking is a, a type of education very similar to what I was talking about at the start. It is a whole person formation uh, designed to produce the ideal in, in, the Greeks, uh, in the Greek scenario in the ancient world. They were looking to produce the ideal citizen. So 
how do I how do I educate someone? How do I teach them? How do I discipline them? How do I instruct them so that when they grow up, they will be the ideal citizen of the state? They will they will do exactly what society wants them to do. And so paideia, the, the success of paideia in the Greek world was how do we take that form of, that little lump of unformed potential and turn them into the ideal person in every single aspect of their lives, their character, their knowledge, their desires, their inclinations. All of that was part of this thing called paideia, this discipline, uh, instruction of the an instruction. So when Paul is using that word and he applies it to our biblical role as parents, and I don't just mean parents um, only because it is a communal responsibility, so the church is involved in this, um, bring our children up, and our children, in the discipline and instruction of the Lord, the paideia of the Lord. What does it look like for us as a community to uh, have input into the life of a young person so that they grow up to be the ideal Christian community-raised child? Now, can we do that perfectly? No. But is it a standard we should be aiming for? Yes. Uh, it what does it look like for us to uh, help our children to understand who they are before God, to understand Him, to have a relationship with Him, uh, to be on a path by which they can take that faith on for themselves and go out into a world that is hostile to that faith? All of these things should be captured in that idea of um, the, the paideia, the instruction and the discipline of the Lord. And that is a huge task. Uh, and hu- Whole books and whole institutions are dedicated to thinking through this very idea. And I'm not going to do justice to it right now, but um, actually, if you want to know more, talk to Maddie. Um, she's done a lot of thinking in this area. Um, I've done some. Riley's done probably more than me as well. Um, but there's, there's a lot to think through. What does it look like for us to, uh, to raise our kids in a world that is seeking to honour God, um, seeking to, to take this, um, this mandate from God to, to bring up our children in the instruction of the Lord seriously? Uh, and it's not an easy question to answer in this day and age. I, I was talking to a friend just last night who is very well versed in the space of Christian education, uh, and she was genuinely concerned for the future of her boys uh, because she can't see what it's going to look like for her children to get the same kind of education that she got in this world because there's so much pressure on Christian schools to, to dilute and dial down uh, the content of their instruction, um, secular schools, state schools, public schools, um, they in many situations are looking like they're on a trajectory to teaching things that are actually uh, incompatible and possibly even hostile towards the Christian faith. Um, then there's the question of what do I do at home? Uh, what do I do on Sundays? Like, Do we, do we involve ourselves in after-school tutoring? Do we um, do, we do homeschooling? All of these questions are incredibly complex, uh, and I don't have answers for you right now, but uh, I guess the question I want to raise to all of us is, what does it look like for us to take that aspect of our parenting seriously? What does it look like to make a serious effort to bring up our children in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord? Um, I missed that, sorry. I said great. Great, yes. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, I thought you said we need grace. and I was like, yeah. yeah, that too, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, as a community, I, I really want to challenge all of us to be, to be taking that seriously. And I, I say that knowing that to do that is a, a very challenging and difficult thought process. Uh, Riley and I and a few others have um, toyed with the idea of starting a school. Like, is that the way forward? Is that what it looks like for us to take this seriously? Um, maybe, maybe not. But 
we should be thinking about it, and we should be thinking about it in community, and in church, that is the primary community in which we should be thinking about these things. And generations before us have taken that seriously. That's why so many Christian schools kicking around out there have been started by churches. And maybe it's our time. I don't know. Um, talk to Riley. Um, I'll send them back to you. <laughs> um, and finally, and this is, this is an encouragement, but it's also a very challenging um, a very challenging idea. Um, Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6 says this. Train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart on it. Uh, depart from it. Like the encouragement there is that if we do this well, we're setting up our children for not necessarily success, because success is a hard thing to measure, but uh, for a God-honoring future, uh, a way that would uh, to live well in this world under God in the future. That's that's what the promise in uh, Proverbs says. But obviously, there's room in there for them to be sinners themselves. Um, we, we don't control their hearts. We can't, we can't make decisions for them about whether they're going to follow Jesus or not. Uh, but what we can do is point them in the right direction. Um, the challenge there, though, is that that's difficult. To train up a child in the way they should go, that sounds like a very high calling to me. Uh, and that's something, again, we need prayer for. Um, but in terms of practical tips, there's a couple I do want to share with you. And, um, you know, the, the history of education has been full of all sorts of ideas about what, what helps learning best. What, how, do I, how do I best educate my child? Should I do project-based learning? Should I do deep learning? Should I do, uh, you know, send them out to get ex- skills and experiences or whatever? And I think one of, the, one of the biggest tools we have in our arsenal to help, especially our children, but also our, ourselves to learn, is memorization. Um, I grew up in a generation in which genera- uh, memorization was frowned upon. Um, you know, uh, they were just uh, diss it as rote learning. You know, it's it's uh, knowledge that you know just because you've memorized it doesn't mean that it's going to be of any actual use to you. And yet, that is so different to what the Bible says. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter six says this. Now, this is the commandment, the statutes, and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you that you may do them in the land which you are going over to possess it, and that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, by keeping all of his statutes and commandments which I command you all of the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers has promised you, in a land flowing with milk and honey." Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. These words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Uh, One of the best things, and this is what I've been served by um, for a long time since I was a child, I grew up in a school um, that was a Christian school, and so we would do memory verses every kind of term, like we would just memorize like a chunk of text. Like I can still rattle off things like love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes and always perseveres. Uh, love never fails. Now, that, I've had that memorized since I was a child in the NIV. 
Um, uh, <coughs> and I can rattle off five or six other passages of that sort of length that I memorized as a child, and they've stuck with me um, ever since. And they're passages that don't just... It's not just information. It's, you know, it's actually... It's God's Word. It's, it's, it's formative for me. It, it helps me to understand who I am and what God wants me to do in this world. And it's, it's in here. It's up here. Um, what, a, what a tremendous gift to be able to give to our children to help them to know God's Word, probably in the ESV here, but that's okay. <laughs> um, that's, that's a tremendous thing that we can do for our children to help them to memorize God's Word. Uh, and not just to memorize God's Word, but also to memorize God's truth. Um, up until about a hundred years ago, it was normal for parents and people in churches to catechize their children. They would, they would have a catechism, which was a list of questions and answers uh, that were just summaries of what it means to be a Christian. Um, you know, like the Westminster Catechism asks, the first question is, what is the chief end of man? And the answer is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. And everyone who learns the Westminster Catechism knows what their purpose is in life. They memorize it to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. And they would repeat that. They would ask that question over and over again. It goes into the head. It goes into the heart. It forms us. Um, catechisms are tremendously powerful things. Um, in conversation recently, Emma and I have decided that we're going to implement a catechism in our family. We're going to take uh, a catechism. We're not going to do the Westminster or the Heidelberg or anything like that. Although the Heidelberg Catechism starts with, uh, what is our only hope in life and death? Uh, that we are not our own and we belong to God, um, which you'll recognize in a song that we're about to sing in a moment. Um, I specifically requested that song because it's based on the Heidelberg Catechism. Um, but there's a thing called the New City Catechism, which was put together by Tim Keller, uh, and it's got 52 questions, so you can do one per week. Um, you can do them in your household, one per week. Ask the question, say the answer. Ask the question, say the answer. Ask the question, say the answer. Now, you might not want to use the New City Catechism. You might not want to use the Heidelberg Catechism or the Calvin Catechism. Well, there's a whole bunch of catechisms out there. But what I would encourage you to do is to be deliberate to that degree. Help your children to know God's Word, to memorize God's Word, and to know God's truth, and to memorize God's truth in the form of um, memorizing these theological truths. Uh, I think the most profound tool that we have in our educational arsenal is helping to commit things to memory. I mean, at the end of the day, that's what learning ultimately is. It's memorization. It's, it's having things that were out there come in here and stay there and then being able to use and appropriate that information. So in thinking about sanctifying education, uh, and I'll, I'll finish with this, uh, the Bible doesn't tell us what success in secular education looks like because it doesn't know and it doesn't care what it, secular education is. The Bible cares, do you know God and are you living out what you know about Him? That's, that's the heart of it there. So the first step is to know and one of the most powerful ways to know is to remember. Uh, the Bible is very big on repeat, remember, repeat, remember, repeat, remember. The Old Testament is full of rejoinders to those two things. And so... What should we be doing as we sanctify our educational journey? We should make the object of our education God and what he's done in this world, and then we should seek to write that on our hearts. And that's it. Uh, God's word and God's work are the most important objects of our learning. And the, the most important and the most central figure of God's word and God's work is his son, Christ. 
So you will be successful in your education if you know Christ, if you know what he did for you on that cross, that he came to this earth to live the perfect life that we weren't able to live. He died that death that we deserve to die and he rose again so that we can have a new life in relationship with him. There's, There's a lot more to it than that, but that's the heart of it right there. Success in Christian education is to know that. Success in education of your children is for them to know and to live that. That's what sanctified education looks like. Uh, And ultimately, even though uh, there's a quote that I've heard somewhere, I can't remember who said it, but uh, we never, in fact, I probably heard it here in someone's sermon, so I apologize if I'm stealing someone's thunder, but uh, we never move on from the gospel, we move on with the gospel. Um, Once we know that, yes, we grow, we learn more, and we will never stop learning because God is so much bigger and so much uh, more glorious than us, even... You know, there is more information being produced every single year. Um, I think, like, I can't remember if this is still true, but the, the amount of information being produced just in this world doubles every two years, so it's growing exponentially. Uh, so we, we will never be capable of learning everything. Uh, even, I think, more... I think 24 hours of video gets posted to YouTube every single hour. Um, and you think about, like, the Internet is an incredible repository of information, and the internet shows us just how impossible it is for us to be exposed to every piece of information out, th- out there. But think about the internet in comparison to the mind of God. How much bigger is the mind of God than the sum total of all of human knowledge that is constantly doubling, constantly getting bigger and bigger and bigger? We will never exhaust the knowledge of God. We will never understand Him fully. There will always be more to discover, always more to know and always, uh, always more closeness to Him to experience. So education, the education we have in this world, it starts with Christ, and it ends never. We will always be on that journey of, lo- of learning and knowing more, which is exciting and also terrifying at the same time. Uh, but let's, let's take on the responsibility to each other of helping each other to know what is most important to know. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the ability that we have to learn and to know. I thank you that you have sent your son, Christ, uh, to make it possible for us to know you personally through him, uh, to know what you've done for us through him, and to be uh, thankful and joyous in the, in the truths that that entails. I pray that you will help us to write on our hearts uh, your word uh, and to live it out. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.